At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, the podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. So I was watching a speed run the other day of Fallout 4. In fact, it wasn't just the speed run. It was one of those videos where the speedrunner takes their time to explain exactly what they're doing and how they make their way through the game how they glitch certain things and how they manipulate the quests in order to trigger certain events or skip things. And it got to a specific point in the game where the character goes to good neighbor and at good neighbor, the character meets Cleo. And this triggered a memory for me of the first time I played fallout four, the first time I went to good neighbor, And the first time I happened to notice that the person manning the shop was an Assaultron. Now, this shouldn't have surprised me too much because we've seen robots in all sorts of different capacities. Robots will do what they are programmed to do most of the time. And it doesn't really matter what exactly the model of the robot is as long as they're programmed to be you know, to not kill you. (laughs) And then you can, for example, purchase things from them or whatever, treat them kind of like people. But in seeing this moment again in the speed run, just treated so cautiously because it was a speed run. I realized something. One of the things that fallout does so well is that they will take what appears to be a dangerous kind of character, a dangerous species or race or monster or robot in this example, and put it in a place where it isn't dangerous. Think about ghouls, for example. How many of us had some sort of experience where we ran into ghouls in one of the games, whichever game you started with, before actually meeting a ghoul that was a person who wasn't going to just chew your head off? It creates that feeling of uncertainty. Is this person safe? Am I in danger? Can I trust them? The same thing can happen with super mutants. Think Strong, for example, or Graham in Fallout 76, who cooks all the meat. 
these are still dangerous characters, but they aren't dangerous to you. And the same thing can be said about very specific assaultrons. And I thought that this was interesting because I hadn't really conceived of this in this way before until watching that speed run and going, oh yeah, I remember this. Because you get used to it, right? Like you get used to, oh, this is this character, this is who they are, this is, you play the games multiple times. But trying to go back to that original feeling of, oh, that character behind that desk right there that's potentially going to sell me weapons seems very dangerous. Are they going to turn on me? Anything could happen at any moment. I don't know what to expect. And there's a there's a wonderful beauty in that in first experiencing a game, especially when it feels like that could be true. So in today's episode, we're going to go through what exactly the assaultrons are. We've talked about robots before. We've talked about all the different kinds of robots. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into assaultrons. And then we're going to talk about the specific characters that we can be friends with or at least communicate with and they won't kill us. So here we go. So like so many of the other robots, Assaultrons were made by Robco Industries. They were developed specifically for the United States military, for the war effort, for frontline actual fighting. These were supposed to be the robots you put out on the front lines. They're supposed to be close range, extremely fast, some come with a devastating laser that shoots out of their heads. They're customizable. You can replace the different parts on their arms to do different kinds of things. They can explode <laughs> if they go into a fail-safe mode. They uh, have the ability to keep on fighting even with different parts of their bodies are destroyed. As long as the core is still working, they will continue on. I know we've all experienced taking these on in the games and gone, oh, well, I took out its legs. Oh, God, it's still crawling after me. You know, that kind of thing. So that's what these are. And we're all familiar with that. They first saw use in the military in 2072. This would have been about five years before the, the Great War, before the bombs dropped. And they must have been some sort of success because you can find them all over the place. They aren't as prolific as say protectrons but they are a lot more military battlefield focused protectrons they aren't as agile they have some similar characteristics but not exactly the same one of the things about assaultrons that also makes them even more deadly on the battlefield is the ability to cloak themselves they can go in stealth mode, and not all of them, but some of them can go into stealth mode and fight on the battlefield and all of a sudden show up behind the enemy or in places that you wouldn't expect them. And this is interesting. I have a feeling this was designed as a gameplay thing. You're playing through the game, you come across an enemy, oh, this enemy is difficult, you get used to it, you come across another enemy, this enemy's a little bit harder, oh god, this one cloaks makes it even more difficult. How many of us have had actual kind of skin of our teeth? Is that a phrase? That's a weird phrase. Uh, fights with assaultrons because 
of the cloaking and the big laser and the fact that they are so armored they take a lot to take out especially when you're a lower level character leveling up through the game but it's weird right cloaking technology these were designed by a american a american an american company and they have cloaking technology we just talked about stealth technology and how that was primarily a chinese thing and yet it was used with these robots interesting and that brings up another point one of the things that's so cool about assaultrons is the variability of the components the way they have different components swapped out their heads their hands heck even from their waist down can be replaced with other parts and yeah we saw this in the mechanist expansion where you could basically take any of the robots any of your robot companions swap the parts in and out kind of mash them up make them your own thing so sure yeah obviously people in the wasteland have been repairing and replacing parts on things like robots or buildings or whatever for a very long time but it also points to the idea that they were probably designed to do this from the beginning and because of the different variants that we come across not all of which were put together by the mechanist they probably were like that there were probably variants out there from the beginning with slight changes and differences so we're going to take a look at all the different variants and their names, the kinds of things that you come across in the game and what they're made of, how their components work. And we're going to get a sense of this. So first, there's the initial Assaultron, right? Regular, run of the mill, right off the factory line kind of model. These are the ones with the lasers in the heads, the clamp finger hand things, and they're very mobile. They've got a lot of armor and they're extremely aggressive. Next up, the Assaultron Invader is similar to the original, but it has a larger health pool and more armor. It's actually more hit points and more armor. And they have the benefit of electricity coming out of their hands, and you can tell that by the blue glow of their hands. So these are more dangerous. Next up is the Assaultron Dominator. So take an Invader, upgrade the health and the armor even more, give it swords for hands and stealth ability. And now you have a dominator, even more dangerous. Now you can run into a gunner variant of each of these. The, the main difference being that they just have the symbol of the gunners on the chest. So there's the regular Assaultron, the gunner invader, and then the gunner Assaultron dominator. Next up on the list, and as we get through these, some of them look less and less like the iconic kind of feminine shape of the Assaultron. The Assaultron Devil. These are modified variants created by the Rust Devils. They're actually weaker, and their hands are replaced with construction claws. The big yellow construction claws. They're also covered in scrap armor. You get a sense that these were pieced back together from broken ones and aren't in the same kind of high quality state. Then there's the Assaultron Demon. These are very similar in the way they look. Same components. They just are a little bit tougher. They've got a little bit more hit points than the, the devil. Then there's the Succubus, the Assaultron Succubus. This also by the Rust Devils and 
similar again to the others, a little bit more health, a little bit more armor, but they look very different. They've got like a skull mask on. You can see the red dot from the Assaultron laser in the left eye socket. They often have other components grafted to their arms. They, they look like a mess, but also terrifying at the same time. Next is the Assaultron Hag, another Rust Devil creation, except these are equipped with a shish kebab and a gamma gun, one in each arm. Their health has gone up even more, their armor has gone up even more, and although they look like they've been pieced together, much like the other variants that the Rust Devils have used, the stats on this are very similar to the Dominator, in that they have the same amount of health and the same amount of armor at this at this level. So by the point at which the Rust Devils have been able to create a hag, they are now recreating something as equally as effective as the original Assaultrons. There's one more, though, from the Rust Devils, the Gorgon. And, of course, the Gorgon is a mythological, a Greek mythological creature, I believe. And these have two shish kebabs. They are the most powerful variant that you can come across at all. The highest amount of health, the highest amount of armor, and they just, I mean, they look like they are a mess. Skull mask, two shish kebabs. They are a walking horror show of a robotic enemy. If you head into Nuka World, you will come across the Novatron variants. These are very similar to the originals. The original Assaultron, the Invader, and the Dominator, at least those four, are very similar. Except they tend to have a laser beam equipped to one of the hands as opposed to just a regular claw. The stats are very similar in their health and all of that. But then as you move up the upgrade route, you end up with the Initiator. The Initiator has an even higher health pool than the Dominator and more armor. Same weapons, same layout, same feminine shape. It, these aren't these Novatrons aren't as pieced together as the Rust Devil versions. Then the strongest of the Novatron Assaultrons is the Eliminator. This has a ton of health, a ton of armor, but you'll find that the Novatrons all have the same weapons, the same loadouts. They all look very similar. They just have upgrades from each other. Now, one of the things that adds to the way that the Assaultrons feel is their voice. The regular Assaultrons are voiced by Colleen Delaney, and it seems like there's like a an effect on the voice like some of these like uh, I've talked with Wes Johnson before most of the voice is the voice actor and then they will add a little bit here and there in order to add a few extra little effects on occasion sometimes it's less than you would think it is some uh, the sense here is that Colleen's voice is probably pitch shifted slightly lower and there's a little bit of a synthetic distortion added on but for the most part the performance is her now there's some fun facts about Assaultrons, before we get to the individual ones in the second half of the show. Uh, first of all, the two weapons that you can get that you can use from the uh, Automatron, it's the Automatron expansion. I just call it the, the Mechanist because that's the, the big the big baddie in the thing. That's the fun part. I like the Mechanist. Uh, uh, the two weapons you can salvage are the Assaultron Blade and then the Assaultron Head, of course. You can carry a head around and equip it for different things. If... Uh, this is a fun one. If the Assaultron is being attacked by two enemies at once, 
and the NPC is targeted. If this sole survivor is too close to the head slash laser while the Assaultron is firing, the player character still takes damage. I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's a dangerous thing to do when you have a big mix-up of enemies going on at the same time. Also, uh, at least one known Assaultron prototype was not built by Robco. Possibly was built by General Atomics International, who we've known have partnered together, most notably for the Robobrain, uh, which is super weird, but I guess sometimes they work together. Uh, this comes from 4N1M4L's test logs. This is a holotape. This is a student at the Commonwealth Institute of Technology, and this is what they write. Prototype? We found this robot locked in one of the secure labs. Looks military, and the limb servos are way beyond what I've been working with. Definitely not Robco. I wonder what kind of mechanical output these things can do. I'm going to set it up on the treadmill and start it off at 30% output, then ramp it to 75 and collect the data. Next, it says, I'm so screwed. I tried to stop the simulation after the servo output reached 50% and the first chain snapped, but I didn't reach it in time and that thing ran straight through the wall. Oh God, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Okay, don't panic. Just put it back in the cart and bring it back to the lab. And oh crap, someone is coming. So either there was a writing goof or there wasn't a writing goof and the student just wasn't educated enough to be able to tell the difference between Robco Tech and some of these other companies or... There's a little, little bit of detail here about maybe Assaultrons were one of those, I don't know, two two companies working together kinds of things or something like that. I don't know. Uh, let me know what you think about that one. One other thing that's particularly of note here is that it is possible that Assaultrons might actually be able to express human emotion, not just express it, but maybe feel it to a limited degree. We know that some of these robots are run by AI and that the AI is fairly substantial. Mr. Handy's, for example, seem to show emotion. Is that just their programming or are they actually feeling things? Now, this specific point is brought up for two reasons. First of all, you do come across some of these other Assaultrons that actually work in with people. They seem to emote a little bit when talking to people. Maybe that's part of their programming. Also, there's a moment in reunions when Dogmeat leads you to the remains of a destroyed Assaultron, but it's not fully destroyed, and it states that it can't feel its legs, which isn't an emotion. I know people have brought this up as like, they will they feel things? Maybe it just means detect, like it can't detect its legs in order to move them and use them. I think that it's more that side of it, but it seems that there is debate about what this actually means. So let me know your thoughts on that as well. Join us on the Discord. All right, we're going to go thank our patrons. We'll be right back. All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So... If you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. 
In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore to learn more. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. Big welcome to Meep, our newest patron. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for joining us. And I have to shout out our Sentry Bots, Germinator and Sky R. Thank you so much for your support as well. And to all 80 of our current patrons, thank you so much. I couldn't do this without you. If you are interested in joining this group, in helping support the show, getting some really cool stuff like t-shirts and stickers, ad-free episodes, all of that stuff, head over to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and check out everything you can get over there. Also, thank you to those of you who take the time to leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. As usual, if you leave a five-star review, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. And this one came in just this last week. This is from Strange Dobbs. I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, in the United States, who writes, back at it again. I've been listening since year one. I did fall off around year three due to other podcasts I've been listening to, like Chad, A Fault 76 Story, and your other lore casts. It's, fun it's funny to me when, like, Oh, my other shows stole you away from this show. It's kind of funny. Uh, I'm a huge fan. And as I'm typing this, I just joined the discord. Your show got me back in back at it on Fallout 76. And I haven't been more involved than what I am now. I'm starting to catch up, but I'd like to give Tom a huge shout out for a great show. Keep it up, Chris, a.k.a. Dobbs. Thank you, Chris. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Other things you can do are, of course, rating the show on Spotify if you listen there or whatever podcast you're listening to this on, sharing it with your friends. Heck, talking up Fallout with people who don't play the games, who are going to watch the show and then recommending they come check out the podcast in order to understand more about the show. That would be helpful as well. So thank you to all of you for your support. All right, let's move on with the rest of the episode. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So in the realm of Assaultrons, there are three that you can come across who you could consider to be at least, I don't know, friendly to everybody. I'm trying to think of like, what's a common denominator? Are they all self-aware? Probably not. Are they all intelligent? Yes, but I would assume you could say that about any of the Assaultrons. 
I think the commonality here is that they just happen to be characters that you can interact with who just don't attack you right away. And the first of these I'm going to note is Cleo because I talked about Cleo before. And I also want to put out there, side note, Assaultrons don't show up in the games until Fallout 4. They are an addition to the series come Fallout 4. And that makes me wonder if we're going to see Assaultrons in the TV show. Oh my God, they, they would look amazing on the screen. So let's talk about Cleo. Cleo's in Good Neighbor. She's friendly or at least friendly enough. She works at the store Kill or Be Killed where you can buy some stuff. But there's some stuff going on with Cleo. She has a terminal. And if you hack the terminal, you can find out that she has a plan to kill several members of the Good Neighbor community if the need arises. This isn't something she seems to want to do. It's something she's ready to do in case for some reason something happens and she needs to do it. This includes shooting Daisy with a laser from long range in order to keep down the suspicion on who killed her by doing it at a distance. Sneaking into Bobby No-Nose's hideout at night and basically turning off the lights or dismantling them and then killing all of the occupants there one by one. She also has plans to pay one of Whitechapel Charlie's associates to do some of the dirty work for her. So again, she doesn't look like she is the one who is culpable in all of this. And maybe that dirty work would include sneaking into Bobby No-Nose's hideout and killing all of them. She also has plans to eliminate Fahrenheit by strangling her in her sleep. And Fahrenheit would be the first target. And then lace all of the chems within the old state house with poison to take out John Hancock. So she seems safe, but it turns out that she has plans, if she needs to use them, whatever that means, to take out Hancock and a bunch of these other people. Now she has calculated, according to the the text that you can read about this, that this will be an acceptable loss to her business without too much disruption based on less people purchasing things. Now, there are some other characters that aren't listed here, one of whom is Magnolia. And we also find out that she actually has some respect for Magnolia because she's a fellow working girl. And Cleo is willing to give her a little bit of a chance before killing her. The contingency plan here is burning down the third rail as a warning. And then if she still resists, a clean shot to the head would take her out. But she's hoping that she doesn't and that they get along still. This is a little bit disturbing because that feeling I had when looking at Cleo for the first time and wondering, is she really safe? Was justified. It's actually justified. Now, of course, she doesn't do this in the game, but there's the potential. All right, let's talk about some of the other characters. The, the next most or probably the most famous one, the mo one that most people talk about is Pam, right? Pam sounds like this. Preliminary adjustments to statistical models complete. Commencing introduction. I was, am, and will most likely be Pam. Predictive analytic machine. Now, Pam shows up as part of the railroad, right? You meet her in the railroad. But she's been around for a long time. Or at least the predictive analytic machine program 
has been around for a long time from 2067, which is before assaultrons were put into work in the military. Interesting. That doesn't exactly line up. There's a whole other thing going on here about what this is and how artificial intelligence was designed, how the U.S. was using it to predict future conflict, bombs coming. And we have to go back 200 something years in order to get to the origins of this this whole system that they were working on. My questions would be, is this intelligence, is this artificial intelligence, was it always in the body of an assaultron? If that was the case, was Pam one of the earliest versions of the assaultron? Or is this just like the current body? Did somebody take the, I guess, the CPU module that had the intelligence in it, the personality, and put it into this body later? Based on the evidence we have, it seems that the railroad discovered her. She was in a dormant state for over 200 years right after the bombs hit. She was at the switchboard, which is a secret defense location that didn't get hit by the bombs. And so she was at the switchboard, went dormant, and then was discovered and put back into functioning ability by the railroad. So the assumption here would be she was in the state she was in 200 years ago, which means she was in an Assaultron body. So if she was swapped into an Assaultron body, it would have had to have occurred sometime in the 10 years between when her project was greenlit in 2067 and when the bombs fell 10 years later. Maybe she started out in some other kind of body or computer system and was loaded into the Assaultron body as the war became more and more likely in order to give her some sort of protective, safe body <laughs> armor and weapons in order to defend herself. So in that case, the Assaultrons would have been around by then. So that makes sense. Or was she one of the earliest prototypes? We don't really know. Now, of course, she gives you some quests and there she plays into the whole storyline of Fallout 4. So you get to know her because of that. She seems very nice and very helpful. And as far as we know, she doesn't seem to have any plans to eliminate everyone if things go sideways. So that's cool, right? <laughs> now, there's one more. There are a few other Assaultrons running around in the wasteland that aren't going to kill you. Uh, they include Lady Loveless, who you can kind of power back up. Adam's Wrath, who of course, works for the children of Adam and also won't kill you right away unless, unless there's a reason. But then there's Ada. Ada can be a companion. There are three companions that are actual robots, and I haven't done an episode about Ada specifically because she doesn't have much of a personality. She's kind of the stand-in for, well, hey, let's give you an Assaultron and then you can customize it and do with it what you want. Now, she does talk to you. She does have lines of dialogue that she says when you are doing things, right? My friends, they were simple traitors, all dead at the hands of your robots. And she seems to have some feelings, but she's one of only two companions, including Dogmeat, who never casts any opinion about your actions. You can do the most terrible things. You can do the nicest things. She doesn't seem to care. She just comes along with you, 
responds to the situations, fights your enemies, and that's it. Her story plays into the mechanist story, and she has a few quirks. She you can she can be upgraded on the workbench, right? You can you can change her parts out and things like that. But she also will not go in a vertebrate. She will not be a passenger on a vertebrate. And she does have some feelings about things like lamenting the fact that she doesn't have a vacuum attachment when entering cluttered or dirty rooms. <laughs> she seems to care about how pristine the room is. She's also a little bit confused by humans. She will remark, if you take off your clothes, people look so strange without their clothes on. Or running around without clothes on doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do in an environment like this. She has opinions about these kinds of things, but she never judges you on your actions, which is kind of cool in a way. And we don't, at least I don't know the voice actor for all of the different Assaultrons. I mentioned Colleen earlier. Ada is voiced by Rachel Robinson and is named after the scientist Ada Loveless, which is also inspiration for Lady Loveless's name as well. So two different Assaultrons inspired by the same real world person, which is really cool because Ada Loveless was born in 1815, lived to 1852, worked on Charles Babbage. If you know who Babbage is, he was one of the early mathematicians who worked on the concepts of mechanical computers. She worked on his computer system with him, the analytical engine. And she was the first to realize that the machine had applications beyond just pure calculations. Which brings us back to the question that I had before about the AI of these Assaultrons. Are they feeling? Do they have advanced AI? What is that actually like? What's it like inside their heads? Is there more than just calculation going on? It seems like some of them do. But are they real? This is the question, right? With synths and all sorts of things. This is one of the predominant questions in Fallout 4. And so much of it can go back to the work of Ada Lovelace, which is really freaking cool. So there you go. Assaultrons and even the friendly ones. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful week. And until next time, try not to build a robot that you know, destroys everybody on your block. I'll see you next time. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.